0: Open your Bibles up to Romans 1, verse 21 through verse 23 is what we will cover this morning, a sinful substitute. That is the title of today's sermon, A Sinful Substitute. The greatest thing you and I will ever do is speak the truth about God. There's nothing in the world, nothing created, nothing in this universe, nothing in existence that is greater than God, nothing. There's nothing greater than His majesty, nothing greater than His beauty, nothing greater than His truth. And all of creation, as beautiful as creation is, the created trees, the mountains, the ocean, I I love, I think there are some breathtaking. Some of you have stopped before and you've just looked at the sunset and you just have thought to yourself, what a beautiful portrait that God has painted this evening. We see... How beautiful creation can be. But God himself is far greater and far more beautiful than all of creation. As beautiful as all of the animals that exist. Some of you are pet owners. You love your animals. And as beautiful as, and as wonderful as a pet is, as wonderful as some of the uh, the animals that you have watched, like in Natural Geographic or some of the shows of planet Earth, and you've seen elephants and dolphins, marine life, land life, and all of those things that are created. Nothing has greater majesty and nothing deserves greater attention than God. With all of the things that God has created, the the, the zenith, the height of all of creation is humanity. Humans. Humans. We, as humans, are separate from dogs and cats and other animals because we have been created in the image of God. We have an eternal soul. We have self-awareness. And we have been ascribed by God a certain value. But with all of the value that even God himself has given to us, nothing is of greater value than God. I hope you're getting the picture of what I'm trying to paint for you that there is nothing in the world greater, nothing in existence that's greater than God. Nothing more beautiful in this world can ever, or nothing beautiful in this world can compare to the beauty of God. Therefore, God should be the one who receives all glory and all honor and all majesty above everything else. Nothing should receive honor or glory more than God. And anything that does is idolatry. I was, many years ago, someone, we were in a meeting and somebody asked, what is the definition of idolatry? And I said, anything that robs glory from God. Anything that doesn't honor God, that's what idolatry is. Because of man's depravity, because of man's sinful nature, we have been looking at and we see that there is this constant, this persistent suppression of God's truth and this willful substitution of God's glory. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, I mean by that, that man in his depravity, man absent from God, will most certainly ascribe greater value to the things that are made over the God who made it. That's what sinful humanity does. We who are God's creation ascribe a greater value to those things that are created rather than the creator because our minds are absent or the, those, the they that is mentioned in our text, their minds are absent of God. So therefore, everything else has greater value than God. If God doesn't exist, He is not valuable. To them. Furthermore, those who are fixed in their depravity will place a higher value not only on things, which is idolatry, but they will place a higher value on personal pleasure, which is sensual immorality. They will place a higher value on the things that please them, the things that make them happy or satisfied. This is sinful pleasure. Sexual pleasure. And these are the two things that the Apostle Paul are... Is, these are the two things that he is dealing with in this text to show us what sinful man looks like under the wrath of God. We are by nature idolatrous and immoral. That's who we are in our flesh, in our fallenness. So let's remember... As we think about these two things, these these two things that I just mentioned—idolatry and immorality—what Paul said back in verse eighteen, he said, "For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth." What are the what's the truth that they're suppressing? Well, verse 20 is the truth that they're suppressing his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, which have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. They are suppressing the fact that God is the creator, that God has all power, and in essence, he is the divine supreme God over every single thing that exists. That's the suppression of truth. That's the truth that's being suppressed. And because of this suppression, verse 21, this is what it leads to, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. That's what this leads to. It is substituting or taking the glory that belongs to God and giving that glory and that honor to something else, whether it be through some inanimate object, something that has been created by hand, or something that God himself created, some material thing, or whether it's immorality, God's wrath, therefore, is justified because his glory, that should be his, is taken and given to something else. It's a sinful substitute. Brothers and sisters, you need to get this. The glory of God is of the utmost importance. Nothing is more important than giving honor to God for who he is and what he has done. Nothing. over the next several weeks, we're going to look at this situation in this context, man's sinful nature, what, what man looks like under the wrath of God and his sinfulness and his depravity, which is ultimately those two big things, idolatry and sexual immorality. And let me give you a warning if you're a parent, not for today, but for the next Sunday or two at least It's going to be up to you if you want to bring your children to the sermon and hear the difficult things that we're going to be talking about as we deal with things like homosexuality, transgenderism, and by the way, not because those are social issues of the day. Those things are not political. Those things are biblical. These are moral issues, and we're just dealing with them because Scripture deals with them. That's what expositional preaching does. And so parents, just know, I'm warning you now, that these will be some difficult things to discuss. So it'll be up to you. With your children. But I want us to first look this morning at the word exchanged. Verse 22 there, it says, They claiming to be wise, or 23, 22 and 23, claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of God, or the glory of the immortal God, for images. Exchanged. This word literally means to substitute, it is the altering of truth. Those that are under the wrath of God alter the glory of God. They substitute it. They replace it with giving honor to things and pleasure. They're substituting what's rightfully God and they're giving it to something else. They're giving credit to something else. And so it's a sinful substitute. And I'm just going to make some observations from the text this morning. And the first observation that I want us to consider is this. Substituting the glory of God reveals useless thinking. It reveals useless thinking. Romans 1.21 says, for although they knew God. Let me say something. The reason that atheism exists is because of God. Think about that. There would not be something to deny if something didn't exist. And so, the very reality of atheism is the fact that there is God. It's just a rejection of God. It's the, it's the, the idea we don't want God, we don't want Him in our mind. And so, this is the day they knew God. They just didn't honor him as God. It's a rejection of God. They they didn't give thanks to him, but they became futile in their, what? Thinking in their minds. This word futile means empty. It means useless. It means worthless. In other words, their thinking, no matter how smart they are, is meaningless without giving honor to God without acknowledging God it means nothing brothers and sisters God has given us minds so that we can be reasonable that's the reason you have a mind you probably heard that growing up you have a mind, use it it's intended to cause you to reason to think and that's what we do with our minds we think, we meditate, we ponder on things but here's the big question why? why? Why do we have the capability to reason? That's the big question. Let me give you the big answer. The big big answer is that God gave us minds to know Him. God gave us minds to think properly about God. God gave us minds so that we can properly worship Him, so that we can honor Him. He gave you your mind to think, not independently from Him, but to think about Him. That's why your mind exists. It's for his glory. It's for his honor. You know, I'm, I'm so appreciative of how doctors and business people and technologically smart people, I love it whenever they use whatever it is that their giftedness is to turn around and give God glory for that. You see, the mind is greatly used in our modern world for all sorts of technological and modern advancements, whether it's from an entrepreneurial perspective or a creative, inventive perspective. I just think it's amazing what people can do, don't you? I mean, don't you get, it's just phenomenal, the things that we've come up with. But what it shows us is that the human mind is very divisive. We can create, we can invent, we can do things that are extraordinary with the mind. The issue is where we ascribe value and honor of what our mind produces. I've had medical procedures before and praise God for godly doctors. I've had doctors who have sat over me and prayed with me before they went in for a surgery. And they said things like this, God... Thank you for the mind that you gave to me that I could study, that I could learn, that I could understand medicine, that I could use these tools that have been created, these things that have been invented, and I can use them for your glory, and I pray that you would give me wisdom and discernment now as I do this procedure, make me wise, make me alert. Man, that just, praise the Lord. And if you've ever had a doctor pray before a a, a procedure, here's what they're doing, they're Giving honor to God for the medicine, the science, the knowledge, and all of the things that's going into that procedure. The opposite can be true too. I'm smart. I have done this. I've created this. I've invented this. I came up with this. And it's mine, my ingenuity, my creativity. So we do see that this can work both ways. And when our thinking is absent of God, even in the good things that are invented, even in things that help humanity, when God is not honored, it is rightfully God's to be displeased. It's his right to be displeased. You know, it goes back to this reality. Nothing is invented today that doesn't use the resources that God has already provided. Nothing. You can't build a house without wood. And to use wood is to use something that God created. Therefore, if God didn't create it, you wouldn't have wood to use to build. You wouldn't have matter. So that's the point, right? And so this is what we're looking at here through these who, who pretend or to, who, who just don't acknowledge God. They're taking credit for someone else's work. Think with me about a story in the Older Testament, Daniel, about a king named Nebuchadnezzar. A king, most of you, if you were going to Sunday school and you've studied your Bible, you know that King Nebuchadnezzar is a pretty big deal in the Old Testament. And King Nebuchadnezzar had built this beautiful city. They, they say that it was in, in the, the majesty of its present moment was one of the most beautiful things that human human eye could ever have seen. The hanging gardens in Babylon and all of these amazing things that were built there in Babylon. It was the greatest city in the world. And in Daniel 4, 29 through 30, this is <clears throat> at the end of the 12 months, Nebuchadnezzar was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon and the king answered and said, is not this great Babylon which, notice the pronouns which i have built by my might my mighty power and as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty in any of that did you hear god receiving any honor or glory no Therefore, God is rightfully displeased with what Nebuchadnezzar has done because Nebuchadnezzar has taken glory that rightfully belonged to God and stole it and he ascribed it to his own creativity. And as a result, the wrath of God was severe. This is what he goes on to say in verse 31. It says, while the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. He was driven from among men and he ate grass like an ox, like an ox. And his body was wet with dew of heaven till his hair grew as long as eagle's feathers and his nails were like bird's claws. So much that if we were in Daniel today, we could just spend right there talking about all of that. But the point that I want to use from that as an illustration to what Paul is saying is that when the mind is not used to honor God, to thank God, to treasure God, to know God, the mind becomes useless. It becomes futile, meaningless, worthless. What did it mean to be the king if he was eating grass like a cow? What value is that? That's the point that is being made. It doesn't matter if you're a king. It doesn't matter how smart you are. You can be the smartest scientist in the world. You can be technologically advanced as Elon Musk. You can invent devices that can save hundreds of thousands of lives. But if you do not acknowledge God, give honor to God, or to give glory to God, you're Mind, your thinking is useless. It's as the scripture says, what does it profit a person if they gain the whole world and lose their soul? What does it profit? What is the point? It means nothing. You will die and be forgotten. What's the point? That's the point. That's what Paul is saying. Substituting the glory of God, it's sinful. When we ascribe honor to something that it doesn't belong to, by the way, if you're successful, you're smart, most of you are. Where did it come from? Did you do something? Well, I went to school. I I went and got all this education. Who gave you the mind to think? You didn't invent that yourself. God gave it to you. We give glory to God, even in our education, even in the things we learn and the skill sets that we acquire. We give glory to God. If we build a business, we give glory to God. If we have technological advancements that we've come up with, we give glory to God. Through those things. Lots of great things. But without God, it becomes useless, right? Well, not only that, the substituting the glory of God reveal useless thinking, it reveals a darkened heart. Says verse 21, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. The reason that the heart is darkened when the glory of God is substituted Please listen. It's because the only light in the world that can penetrate the heart is the glory of God. It's the only light in the world that can penetrate. uh, The only light in the world that can penetrate the heart is the glory of God. Consider what Jesus said in Matthew chapter six and verse twenty-two. He says, "The eye is the lamp of the body." So, if your eye is healthy, in other words, if you can see, your whole body will be full of light. It allows light in. The only reason that you and I can see anything going on is because of light. And it's only if your eyes are good. It allows uh, light in. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Why? Because there is nothing that is light producing within the body. Nothing. So, you got good eyes, it allows light in. If you don't have good eyes, you are completely in the dark. Ask a blind person. They are completely dark. He's talking about a physical thing, but he's making a spiritual point. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? There's no light producing element within you. All light enters, that enters the body must enter from the outside. If the eye is good, light is able to penetrate. If the eye is bad, it cannot enter. With regard to spiritual matters, Jesus is simply saying that if the light in you is darkness, if you do not have the glory of God shining in your life, if you do not have any acknowledgement of God in your life, how dark are you? You are darker than dark. You are as dark as dark can be. Now take what Paul, Jesus said. Couple it with what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4 and 6. He says, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness. In the beginning was God and God said, let there be light. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shone in where? Our hearts. To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The only light in the universe that can bring light to a heart is the glory of God. If we do not give glory in honor to God, what it reveals is that your heart is dark. Your heart is absent of God. If God gets no glory, he gets no honor in your life whatsoever. All it is is a revelation is that you have no light in you. You are blind. Many of you sing that song, Amazing Grace, with such passion because you understand I once was blind, but now I see. That's what it reveals. Reveals that you think uselessly. Substituting the glory of God reveals that your heart is dark. Folks, let's be honest. This is self-examination, is it not? It's revealing what we expect out of the they. Those who are not professing Christ, but it causes us to be self-reflective. Do I give honor to God with my mind? Am I giving honor to God with my heart? The things that come out of the mouth is produced from that which is within. Am I giving honor to God? Those are two of the observations. Here's the third one. Those who substitute the glory of God believe they are wise. For although they knew God, it says they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened, claiming to be wise. With a useless mind and a dark heart, a person will say, I'm wise. I'm wise. I'm the wise one. I'm the smart one. I'm the one that's using my mind properly. I'm the one that's understanding of philosophy and understanding of life and understanding of how the world works, not knowing the whole time their mind is useless and their hearts are dark, but they claim to be wise. Those who substitute the glory of God don't realize that they're thinking is foolish or worthless. They don't know their hearts are darkened. They believe they are wise. And here's why. Because it seems like the wisest thing you can do is design your own God. This person thinks to themselves, what could be wiser than to make your own truth? Have you ever heard somebody say, well, that's your truth and I have my truth? What can be wiser than a person who makes such a claim? In their minds, they think that is being creative. That's being, uh, you know, industrial. So they think to themselves, what can be wiser than to make your own truth? What can be wiser than to make your own God? What can be wiser than to control your own destiny? The advantages, by the way, are endless. Endless. It shows you that you are creative. It shows you that you are intelligent to venture on God. It clearly boosts your self-esteem to think that you are in total control and it makes you feel independent and in charge. That's why you look at the mirror every single day and you speak well of yourself because you have an ego to boost and esteem to exalt yourself. What could be wiser than that? It's in every self-help section of the bookstore. That's what being wise is in their own minds. When you are the one who makes your own God, wait a minute, are you listening? Ultimately, that makes you God. Because if you've invented a God, then you are above that God. Think back with me to something Eve in the garden said in her conversation with Satan. Satan said to her, for God knows that when you eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Hmm, sounds good to me. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, listen, brothers and sisters, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate and gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. I submit to you in 2023, almost 2024, not much has changed. We are still eating the fruit under the same preconceived ideas and notions that we will be wiser. We are smarter. We are in control of our own destiny. After all, how great it will be when I am like God. But here is the last thought. The last observation. Those who substitute the glory of God, whose minds are useless and whose hearts are darkened, and who believe they are wise, are foolish. They're foolish. It says, claiming to be wise, they became fools. It is absolute foolishness to create your own God or to be your own God why? Because you were acting upon a useless mind and a darkened heart. It's foolish then that you would invent something out of such uselessness and wickedness. You see, that's what it's coming from, right? But the big question here that we're going to ask, it says, why? is substituting the glory of God foolish. Why is this a foolish thing? Well, because of verse 23. It says, They exchanged the glory of God for the immortal God, or the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. It is foolish because of what you are substituting the glory of God for. Paul is emphasizing an infinite difference between value of God and the value of what is made. You are substituting something that is infinitely more value for something that has infinitely less value. Notice the words that Paul uses. They are substituting the glory of God for images. They're substituting the glory of God for copies. They're substituting what is authentic for what is fake. It is like Paul is saying that here God is the masterpiece. He has given you copies, images, and rather than worship the master, the one who made it, the one who is the masterpiece, you worship the copies of that. One of my favorite shows, something I enjoy watching, is a show called Pawn Stars. How many of you have seen that? I'm not recommending it, I'm just saying I enjoy watching it. Rick is the owner of this pawn shop, and people bring items to them all the time. I mean, it's it's a phenomenal thing that they've created in this. And every time somebody brings an old artifact, a samurai sword or something of that nature in, what does Rick do? If you know the show, what does he do? He calls an expert. What's he trying to do? To authenticate the item that's being brought in. Because why? He's not interested in a fake. He only wants what is real. Because what he understands is this. Something that is fake has little to no value whatsoever. It's not worth his time of investment. And many people come in there thinking they have something authentic and he brings in the expert and the next thing you know, they think they've got something worth $100,000. And before you know it, somebody comes in and says it's not real. Rick says, well, what's it worth not real? And they'll say, nothing, $10. And he'll say, I don't want it, I'm not interested. People do this with God all the time. They take The copies and the images, they take what has been created and they say, I'll take that. I will not take what is real though. That which is perishing, your car that you worship, your house that you're worshiping, your success that you're worshiping, your invented, inventing, inventedness or your creativity, you're taking all of these things and you're saying, I'll take that. I'm not going to take God. All of these things that are made, all of these things that have infinitely less value because everything that you lay your eyes on on this earth will one day disappear. It will be gone or you will be gone. And then one day after you're gone, it will be gone too. That's the world we live in. And we're trading it off for what? What? what are, I mean, this is a reasonable argument. That's what Paul is doing. He's presenting a reasonable argument. It makes no sense. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Paul is not only making that point, he's making an incorruptible and a corruptible point of what I just said They exchanged the glory of the immortal God resembling mortal man. See the comparison? Something that is perishing for something that is not perishing. God is incorruptible. Man is corruptible and everything we make is corruptible. It's perishing. It's going away. The clothes you're wearing is perishing. We are, as we speak, being outdated. All of us are. We're wearing it down. We're breaking down. Many of you think that when you are young that you're working your way up and then you get over the hill. Folks, we are born over the hill. We are. We are born dying. That ought to make some of you who are turning 40 or 50 feel pretty good. (laughs) I thought I was getting old. Oh, you've always been getting old. That's foolishness. That's what he's saying. We are trading diamonds. The world is trading a diamond for a peach in the back of a refrigerator. The world is trading rubies for a banana sitting in the sun. They're trading a bar of gold for a rusty nail sitting out in the rain. It's foolishness. What Paul is saying here to believers, though, is that we need to understand the value of worshiping God in contrast to the foolishness of those who substitute God for the things that are created Paul wrote to the Christians at the church of Philippi and he said this, we worship by the spirit of God and the glory in Christ Jesus and and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Anything we can do, anything we can accomplish, anything we can create, anything we can invent, means nothing. He says, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh, also, if anyone else thinks that he has reason for the flesh in the the flesh or confidence in the flesh, it's me. But then he goes on to say, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. Nothing in the world matters. No invention, no technological advancement, no modernization, no industrialization, no business, no amount of success, nothing you can ever do will ever compare to the glory that is in Christ Jesus. And this is what Paul is saying. And we're trading it off every day, and it is a sinful substitute. And the truth, beyond that truth, Is that the world looks at you, brothers and sisters, and those of us who hold to the faith in Jesus Christ, and they say, No, you are the foolish ones, because the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. You look like a fool to the world. But then I say something that I hope will bring encouragement. You only look like a fool today. You only look like a fool today. It's okay if the world thinks that you're foolish because you know the truth. Their minds are futile. Their hearts are darkened. They think that they're wise, but ultimately they are the fool, which is what Psalm 14 says. It is the fool who has said in his heart, There is no God. In 1867, Secretary of State William Seward persuaded America to purchase Alaska from Russia. Big amount. million dollars. We bought an entire state for 7.2 million dollars. Sounds like not a lot in our modern world, but in 1867, that was a lot of money. And the taxpayers, you, and you would have been among them as well. They said that William Seward was a fool We do not have that kind of money that we can be spending. You're spending all of our hardworking money. These were farmers who were in the fields who were paying taxes and all of those who were going to the factories and those who were having to work and paying their taxes. And they're going to spend, we're going to pay Russia for this block of ice that exists that nobody even lives in. That was true back then. And you know what they said? They said he was a fool. But let me say something, in 2023, there's not a single person in the world that would call William Seward a fool. Not one single person. In fact, it is said that the greatest mistake Russia has ever made was selling the state of Alaska, which over the past 156 years has produced untold billions upon billions of dollars in resources to America and the world. Last year alone, over $5 billion in exports were made to the world. So in 1867, he was a fool. But today, and praise God, even on international security levels, I'm thankful today Alaska doesn't belong to Russia. Today, he's no fool. Today, you're a fool. You're a fool for the sake of Christ. But one day you won't be a fool. One day the world will know. And on that day it will be too late for the world. So, yes, there is a gospel plea here, is there not? To go out and make the truth of God known to the world. Share the good news of Jesus Christ. Share what Christmas is about to your family. Make it more than the idolatrous worship of what we have created in our society through presents, gifts, and all of these things. Let me just say something about that. It can be idolatrous. The money, the sales, all of that can be certainly idolatrous, and it is. And it can also be a good thing. It is where we ascribe glory and honor. Make sure whatever it is you're doing, the Bible says do all things for the glory and the honor of God. Do it for His honor and glory. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this Word that shakes us to our core because it causes us to look into our minds the way that we think, into our hearts, what we believe And to ask ourselves, are we giving glory to God? Do we think that we're wise when we're actually foolish? God, I pray for those who may be hearing this sermon and realizing they are and have been foolish because they have not truly been trusting in God and giving honor to God with their life. Father, help us to know that those who have the light of God in us will show the light through what we worship whether that light is there or not Lord I pray that you would help us to know where we are in Christ Father I pray that you would help us to be zealous for the truth and to desire to go into a world that's dark and share the light of Christ God minister to us by your word speak to us by this word grow us by this word Make us wise in this word. And may you get glory through this preaching, through our singing, through our listening, and through our actions and words once we leave this place. May you get glory from it all. In Jesus' name.